Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, once again, hello, everybody. Welcome to another time together for Grace to All with Paul Gray. And I'm so glad to have Mark Venerable back with me. We had a great discussion last week. I know many of you listened. If you haven't had a chance to do that, please uh, go back and listen. But we're going to continue our conversation. So all the way from Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Hello again, Mark. Hey, Paul. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for being with us. And I want to pick up on something uh, you said last week about you always felt like you had to be figuring out what God's will was and doing his will, and you don't want to miss his will and everything. And the scripture came to my mind when you said that. It's in, uh, I think it's Philippians 2.13 that says, uh, God inside of us, Christ in us, does his will and works in us to do that will. You, that's a paraphrase of mine, but we don't have to wonder what his will is. He, he's he's doing it all the time. He'll nudge us to do something or prompt us to call somebody, or he'll just lead us in different directions and stuff. And if we miss it, which we do a lot of times, we just go on. Because, I mean, he knew in advance uh, that when we were going to not do exactly what he asked us to do, and he doesn't hold that against us. He doesn't bring it up again. He just continues on like, like any loving father when they're teaching their kids to ride a bicycle. Has that been your experience? Yeah, it used to be this unattainable thing, this one little needle in a haystack. That was his will, and you had to find it, and that sort of thing. And I don't see it that way anymore. I see it as we have such a oneness. We're, we're, we're together all the time. He resides in us. We're basically inseparable. So yeah. a lot of times, his will is our will. What do you want to do? Imagine your dad asking, hey, what do you want to do today? I don't know, Dad. I've been wanting to go to the park and throw Frisbee. Okay, let's do it. And that's his will. We ought to go to have fun and, and interact and talk and laugh. And, you know, after you finish throwing Frisbee, you go get a couple slices of pizza or something. That, that's his will. So resting and just enjoying your relationship, that's, you cannot miss his will. Now, in legalistic thought, you know, basically, maybe you, maybe you do it a couple of times in your lifetime, you know. But that's when we're odds at, we're in odds with God, you know. And we, we cannot be in odds with God. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Nothing. Our thoughts. Oh, it was so bad when I was growing up. So I, you know, you couldn't say darn because it was a substitute for damn. You could not say that. And so, you know, you're going through town, you see a billboard and it's got something on there that might, uh, you know, cause a thought to come in your head. And, oh, you're, you're guilty about that. It was just, it was walking on eggshells all the time. And it's just not a great way to live. We have to change who we think God is, who we know he is. Uh, I don't know if that's a good answer about his will, but no, I, it's not I, this nebulous, unattainable thing that I, that, I, that I thought it was. It's a great answer. And, and you know, I, I think of Jesus saying that they'll know you're my disciples by your love. And when people see us saying, oh, man, you can't say darn and you can't do this and you can't do that and uh, all of that kind of stuff. 
I haven't met very many people who find that attractive. It's not a, uh, now, you know, there are some people who are just desperate for uh, tension and belonging somewhere. And they're, they're so guilt ridden that they feel like they got to do something to appease a God. And so they're sort of attracted to that. Uh, I, I guess I've had some of that in me myself, but it's really not very attractive. It's not very appealing. And it's just the opposite of the way God is. So. So you turned on the TV one time and found Joseph Prince, and you heard some things about the law being ended and over and everything. And that was a new concept to you at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, it was it was total legalism. God was a lot more like Zeus, you know. You walked around kind of you know like this all the time, you know, just waiting for the next slap on the head, you know, or the next uh, whip crack, you know. Like I said, a lot of the things that, that I was taught, and many of those, I'm sure, they're, 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 it can't be both ways. If God is a loving Father, then did He know in advance you're going to mess up from time to time? Of course. Sure. You know, He'd come along and give you a hug. That's all right. That's all right. We got this. It's good. Versus, you know, my dad used to work shift work. So we'd work days and then evenings and then nights. And uh, one of the, I guess, the evenings, he'd, he'd get home and uh, about 12 30, we'd, we'd hear his pickup door slamming. But we were like in junior high. We wanted to stay up late, you know. And so but when we heard that pickup door close, we ran to bed, turned the lights on, got into the covers and uh, played possum, we called it, you know. And there were times when uh, we'd had a quota to um, pull so many grocery bags full of weeds out of the front yard. He said, he said we didn't meet our quota. He'd yank us out of bed. We'd be out there at one o'clock in the morning pulling weeds, you know. So, and I've heard, and I believe it's true, you know, so somehow our, our earthly father, you know, it determines what we think about God, which is completely false, you know. There's certainly a loving father, and uh, there's no quotas. I don't know about chores. I, you know, I don't, I'm not even certain that he has chores for us to do. You know, I don't know. I don't think so. We certainly don't, uh, at least my understanding, we don't have things we have to do to get him to approve us uh, or to like us or uh, to accept us or anything. My concept of I used to teach obedience in my legalistic days and say, you got to be obedient. You got to keep all the laws. Uh, you know, God says to, to do this. And so you got to do that. You got to be obedient. And of course, they seem all seem like chores. My whole concept, Mark, of, of obedience has changed. I think now it's, I just listen to God, talk to him all the time, listen to him. And if he asks me to do something, you know, if, if he says, Hey, I want you to contact Mark Venable. I'd love to have you interview him. And he's got a lot to share and everything. If I hear God say that, then I want to be obedient to that. And so I'll do it. Now, if I forget, I, and I can forget a lot of stuff. So I, I write things down, <laughs> especially well, in my I, prayer time. I forget why I watched, walked in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I will write things down and I'll have that note there. And I keep a pen and a piece of paper on me all the time. So I'll write that down and you know, I'll pull that out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. God said to contact Mark. And so now that's not a chore. That's something that I guess occasionally, you know, God will say, hey, I want you to go to somebody and apologize because, you know, what you did was really hurtful. That can seem a little bit like, uh, do I have to? But we don't have to. He's not mad at us if we don't. He doesn't keep a list of that or everything. What I've come to understand, Mark, is that that we miss out on the blessing of participating with him and what he's doing to work all things for the good and to bring everybody to see who they are and who he is. So we might miss out on that for the moment, but there are lots of other moments that come. 
you know, in the mid eighties, got married in El Paso, Texas. And I used to listen to the Bible answer, man. I don't know if you remember Walter Martin, the Bible answer, man. Oh man. Yeah. That's a heck of a title to have. And I, I know the answers. But I'm sure with my young bride, and we're both zealous Christians, you know, and I came to the conclusion, probably reading through the Old Testament, that God blessed obedience and he punished disobedience. I'm not even sure about the Old Covenant and New Covenant, because Jesus never did it that way, and God never changes. So I don't know if there was a time when that was true. You know, it was just, it was Moses's idea, you know, and the, the Israelites, they had this idea that God was separated from you, and, you know, your relationship with him was whether or not you're beaten or not, we, we know how that works. If you're trying to be, you know, blessed just by your obedience, you're going to fall. Yeah. Somewhere in Romans, it's going to say that the um, strength of sin is the law. So yeah. Yeah. you got a list of things you're supposed to do to, to earn God's blessing and stuff. It's not going to work out good. I mean, no. It leads to more sin. And of course, yeah. we know sin is the word hamartia, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't talk about an individual discretion. I had a bad thought. I told a lie. I blah blah blah. It's it's according to Francois de Troyes. You know, it's it's a singular word, and it means we lost out. We we forgot who God was. That we were always with God. We were never separated separated from God. I think that's exactly right. I love Francois, and I love the. Uh, the mirror translation, and uh, I use it all the time. And I had the privilege of spending a few days with him one time. And he is so genuine, so loving. So is his wife, Lydia. They're just just wonderful people and, and just as original and genuine as you could possibly imagine. And, uh, you know, and I, I found uh, virtually all of, all of the grace People are are like that. Now, you know, we all have our moments, but uh, I've got to spend time with most all the people that you mentioned in our last conversation. And, you know, they just accepted me coming in from nowhere and and just, you know, it's like we've been long lost friends and I don't feel any judgment or anything. And it's a wonderful community to be in. Another analogy, uh, I'm kind of a word picture kind of guy. I've, I've had thoughts of somebody that never knew their dad. You know, they were adopted or whatever, and they just, they tried to be happy and, you know, but they just, something missing. They knew there was just something missing. And you get a tip, somebody calls you and said, well, guess what? We found your dad. Oh, oh, are you serious? And he was loving. He never wanted to part from you, but there was um, somebody had stole you away from the attorney ward or something. So God's way better. And if we feel distant, it's because we don't believe right. Like I said, God's way better. One of the wonderful things about this whole grace journey for me, Mark, is that literally every day I find out that he's better than I thought he was the day before. He'll show me something new and I'll go, wow, really? And, uh, you know, I keep thinking, well, surely I've got it all figured out now. I mean, he he can't be any any better than that. And then, you know, he'll show me something else that uh, comes up. And I think this, uh, you know, we call it a journey. It's a, it's like a, some people used to say, uh, religious terms, a, a progressive revelation. That it's not that we progress into being better people or better Christians, but we just, the more time we spend with God, the more we get to know him, the better we find out he is. And it just progresses and uh, it just keeps getting better all the time. And I, it hadn't stopped for me. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing a cartoon or something. It's like a couple of ducks, I guess, playing a little pond. And they're just having the time of life flapping around. And 
you know, throwing water up on their back. And, you know, and the caption says, like, just can't get any better than this, right? You're in a nice, clean pond. There's a little sand dune back behind them. And then the camera pans up and there's an ocean. So just when you think it can't get any better, you know, you get a different point of view that, that it, it's almost simply better than what you think it is, you know? Boy, that's a great word picture. Yeah, it's a journey for sure. I um, And the days that are hard, the days where I, you know, there's a lot less days now that I spend curled up in a fetal position in bed because life is too hard. Doesn't happen much anymore, but when it does, it's okay. That's okay. I thought I was the only one that life was hard for. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know the scripture. Again, I used to be a scripture chapter and verse kind of guy, but uh, something about if we if we descend into hell, Jesus is right there with us. So yeah. there's nothing you can do, nothing you can say, nothing, no behavior that's bad enough that can separate you. God's not going to get mad. He's not going to storm off. You know, he's right there. Yeah. And the idea that Jesus is God's too holy to look at sin or touch sin. Well, you know, Jesus went up and he disobeyed the Jewish instructions of don't touch a leper. He just went on completely disregarded. that went and yeah. touched him and hugged on him and healed him. Think about the emotional healing. Oh, yeah. They had to be separated. They had to say, unclean, 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 unclean. Yeah. And to show a different way, he ignored all that garbage. Yeah. Ran it up and just think, this leper hasn't had any human contact in no telling how long, years. Now Jesus busts down all those rules and laws and hugs them and touches them and probably kisses them and then, then heals them of the leprosy. And well, there's a great physical hand, that, but the emotional healing, it just had to be unbelievable. And, and I think he can touch every life that way if we just let him, you know. That's exactly right. He is the great physician. And whatever it is that's bothering us, whether whether it's shame or embarrassment or condemnation or f- past failures or a friendship ending or whatever it is that, you know, we've all got stuff like that. And he heals that. And it's not necessarily that he, well, I'll say, I'll use the term, it's not necessarily that he heals it. it he is the healing. He himself is, Christ is our, our peace. Christ is our everything. And when we have him, we have that healing from whatever it is that in our mind is getting us down. It, it, you know, it doesn't mean that we stick our head in the sand and go, oh, you know, I don't have cancer anymore or whatever that is. But he is the healing that we need for the moment for what we're doing. And of course, he is the ultimate healer. The story that I tell, I call it the seatbelt story. Now, I said I was born in Texas, but raised in New Mexico from age three on. And I ended up getting a uh, football scholarship. So I'm young, I'm virile, I'm strong, I lift weights. You know, I'm uh, used to have a sense of immortality when you're young, you know. So this this goes back to the very early 80s before you had the seatbelt strap, right? The shoulder strap. Right. But me and my buddies, we just didn't like to wear a seatbelt. It's uncomfortable. It's restrictive. You know, nobody can tell me what to do. When my time to go comes, I'm, I'm going to go, whether or not I'm wearing a seatbelt or not, you know, and I just, it was no big deal. But then I met this young lady who had become my wife and we we're engaged. And one day she gets in my car, there's a little bucket seat, two bucket seats up front. And she, she gets in, certainly I opened the door for her. I know I did, but I opened the door and then went around and sat down and she notices that I didn't put my seatbelt on. She says, Mark, honey, you should put your seatbelt on. Uh, 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 okay. So we're, all these laws about wearing your seatbelt couldn't change me. Having someone that loved me spoke to me, I changed in a supernatural second. And I gladly did it. And I think love can change us 
for any issue in life, when we know that we're loved, there's something that we need to change, love will change us where no amount of laws, whether it's a felony or a misdemeanor or whatever, you know, love will change us when yeah. lots of laws can't, won't. Exactly. This is a little different, but I, we had a similar story with our son, who's just a great guy, and all our kids are, but... Uh, when he was uh, growing up, you know, there were things that he wanted to do that we didn't want him to do. And uh, and we, fortunately, he's our youngest, so we'd learned by then to pick our battles. And, you know, he wanted a tattoo. And so I said, no, if you want a tattoo, you can get one after we're done paying your bills. But while, while you're living at home, while we're paying for you to go to college, well, now today I probably wouldn't say that. But, you know, this was 15 years ago. So he was okay with that. So then uh, a little while later he said uh, – I want to get my ear pierced. I want to get an earring. Well, I didn't want him to get an earring, but, you know, my wife and I, we talked about that. We said, that's not going to hurt anything. That'll grow back. It's not, you know, it's not permanent or whatever. So, so we said, okay. So he gets an earring and some of his other buddies did too and that kind of stuff. And uh, so he's wearing this earring and and then he graduates from high school and, and he goes to college and then he meets this girl. Apparently she wasn't fond of the earring. He he ended up marrying her, and he never wore it again. (laughs) However, after he got out of college, he did get a tattoo. He's got this huge cross on his arm, on the inside of his arm. And he came home one day and said, I got a tattoo. And I said, oh, really? And he said, and he showed me this cross, and I'm going, okay, how can I criticize that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, well, guys, Mark, this is this has really been fun for me to get to know you. And, you know, I, I love uh, it's got its challenges, but I love Facebook. I love social media because we can meet people we never would have met before. We can find out that there are other people like us, kindred spirits around the country, around the world. We can connect with each other. We can get hear thoughts like I, I, I love the things that you comment on and say in your post and stuff. And so to be able to get to meet you and hopefully we'll get to do that sometime in person. We, I have a daughter who lives in uh, South Carolina and uh, uh, I've stopped and eaten in Murfreesboro before, probably spent the night there. So maybe sometime we can stop and have a cup of coffee and see each other in person. Yeah, Yeah, that'd be great. So thank you again for being with us. And uh, tell us once more how people can contact you, if you would. Can easily contact me on Facebook. I think that's the only social social media that I do. I don't do Twitter. I don't don't even know what other ones there are. But uh, Mark Venable, uh, there's other Mark Venables, but I'm I'm pretty sure I'm the only one in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. So uh, shoot me a friend request or send me a, you know, a messenger thing. Say, you know, I watch the video and I I have the same background. I'd love to talk to you. If you say that, I'll say say it in return. I'd love to talk to you too. I'll be candid. I'll be frank. I'm not a... I don't make things up, you know. They say that little kids blurt out the truth. You know, hey, lady, you're fat. And I, I'm getting <laughs> the age now where I think I, I'm, I'm old enough now that I can do that same thing, you know. But I, hopefully I wouldn't, you know, hopefully I'll be nice about it. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, sure you will. Well, And, uh, you know, our goal is just to help somebody that has struggled with legalism and just, I love God. I love him with all my heart. Well, in grace, it's, it's more about how much God loves us. And that's one thing Joseph Prince talked about a lot. I wouldn't say I've moved beyond Joseph Prince. I like him, you know, but there's things that he, you know, I think he still believes in the tithe. I, I don't believe this. You know, I think he still believes in the hell. I, I just I just don't. I mean, it, there can't be. So we, we see things different on some level. 
as Don Kingsley says, he's kind of a bridge. He he was uh, he and others have been a bridge to get us to uh, where we are now. And everybody's uh, I think right on time with God, and and we all have uh, different callings and stuff. So well, our our time is up. Mark, thank you so much. I've enjoyed getting to know you. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I've been following you for several years now, and um, so I've got your books. And uh, I'm not a good reader as I used to be. I, I used to sit and read one book, and I you know I've got about twenty that I've started. And I just, uh, I need to get back to, you know, my job keeps me busy, but uh, such a pleasure to talk to you. I've you know, seen, seen your post and it's, it's obviously genuine, you know. So, um, well, thanks. And yeah. I think uh, I should be attractive to any, anybody, you know, anybody. Just, would you like to know that your uncle actually loved? No, I don't think so. I, you know, I mean, who's going to say that, you know? <laughs> no, that wouldn't do anything uh, for me. <laughs> yeah. No, I was not we, we weren't loved unconditionally by our parents, so they didn't know how. Sure. So we got a chance to stop the stop the, the, the garbage right now. We, we're yeah. going to put an end to the generational stuff. Yeah. We're going to forgive. We're going to not hold grudges. So we're not going to be easily offended. We can love when we know how much we're loved, and we're going to change the course through history, you know, with uh, the way we, it starts with knowing we're, we're extravagantly loved, lavishly loved. Yeah, with no and, conditions. Uh, absolutely. So yeah. I think you got a change of behavior need to change. Like I said, the, uh, the seatbelt story, I wasn't going to put my seat uh, belt on for nobody, no how, no way. And uh, honey, would you put your seatbelt on? Uh, okay. You know, so I think that's <laughs> the same thing with anything in life, you know. <laughs> It is. It sure is. Well, Mark, thanks again. We'll get together another time. So appreciate very much you being on. And thanks to everybody for watching and listening to another episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group. Grace to all, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.